difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'ma show them freedom like a bone cutter. We gon' fight back. Yeah. We breaking chains. We've been blessed in the past to have a lot of stars of Team USA join the show, mostly from judo and from USA Wrestling. And well, Last couple of weeks, we've had MMA stars, we've had some actors, actresses, and musicians. But join us here. A lot of people call her the future of USA Taekwondo. And when you win the Pan Am Games gold medal, when many say that you are one of the possible breakout stars in the 2020 Olympics, if it happens, well, that and a whole lot more you got to check your eye on with this young lady. We are proud to present from Team USA Taekwondo. I give you it's Anna Zolotnik. Uh, Anna, a lot of big things going on here. You got the 2020 Olympics. Hopefully, you're happy. We're still not sure. What are the plans for this year? Like, what are your expectations? What are your hopes when you, after everything that you've been through this past year, what are you and the team hoping, you know, for you to achieve going into said Olympics? Um, as of right now, we don't know. It's 100% sure that I'll be going only because the rankings aren't finalized yet, like in March. But if I was the one to go, I mean, like, for me personally, a lot of people, I don't think expect me to medal at all, only because I'm, like, the underdog. Um, but, I mean, for me, I think it's pretty bright. If I was to go, I think I'd, I could win it. I mean, I have really high, like, beliefs in myself. So, for somebody so young, I'd like to prove everybody wrong. So, hopefully gold medal. Well, let's talk about some of the advantages you have. Uh for your weight class, you're very tall. You're five foot nine. How much does that help sometimes when you can set up kicks and punches from the outside? You can literally, it's, uh, it's not have to worry about you know fighting in, getting people to grab you. If you want, and I've seen this with a lot of boxers, a lot of kickboxers, even Taekwondo artists in the pro ranks, stay from the outside and just play literally a game of you know whack-a-mole. How much do you feel that helps you having that range, that height, especially at your weight class? I mean, I think being as tall as I am, it's like a very good advantage, especially like when fighting shorter people or people my size. It's all about length with me, and even when they come in close and stuff like that, I feel like just because like how long I am, I can always pull my leg back as to where if they're not in the right space, talk to them to hit me, and then them like timing it perfectly is like really hard. So for me, I think it's like a big advantage. Exclude now for the average fan, like the casual fan, because we're, we're still trying to figure these out here. You know, for most people who watch the Olympics, they'll tune in Taekwondo, they'll, they'll catch your curiosity, but they don't really understand it here. So for the, the layman, the people who are just following this now, the last couple of years, like, how different is Taekwondo from kickboxing karate? Like if you were to break it down for, let's say, Taekwondo for dummies here. What are some of the things that, you know, it's separated from karate, from kickboxing that makes it its own unique sport? I think, like, the biggest thing is probably the, like, like the system that we use, Beto. It's, like, all electronic. The chest has the headgears. You have magnets in the socks. And as they connect to the chest side and headgear, that's how we score points. We also want to do punches, but it's just the body and not the head as if it was for boxing or kickboxing. So I think it's, like, it's restricted to a way, like, where if you don't really use your hand as much as you do your legs, the only thing you really use your hands for is like blocking the kicks that they do, so it doesn't hit your chest pad or head guard. But other than that, I think it's just the system that we use. Now, I'm guessing when you train, like, or when you do just you know non non let's say you know fights, 
do you, I mean, do you ever you not use the headgear? Do you ever just have a, you know, sparring sessions where there's no headgear involved? And how tough is it sometimes worrying about headgear, which, and look, you know, looking from my point of view, it looks uncomfortable because it doesn't give you sometimes, it looks like a great, you know, you know, great sort of visual range. Like it's not like, you know, this regular football helmet or regular even, you know, visor where you can look, you know, from a 180-degree angle, even almost 190-degree angle. It looks like, you know, cuts off almost to the point where you can see sort of in front of you, but big looping punches or kicks can maybe sometime, you know, get through because you just don't see them. Um, in training, we usually use, like, our head guards and stuff only because it's not protection. And, I mean, like, when getting hit, it's best that we do have a head guard, I think, and, like, our coaches and our trainers, they always make sure that we are like, protected fully. So, the more we're training, we always wear extra equipment as we can get. And it just needed to protect us. And um, it's a lot softer than, like you said, the football helmets and stuff, only because we are hitting it. So, yeah. Well, take us to how you got into the sport. Like, what made, what made Taekwondo, Taekwondo a thing for you? Like, you're 17 years old. What, what was it about this sport that you just went – I love it. I need it. It's just, this is something that, for me, I just can't get enough of. Well, like, me, honestly, I would have never probably gotten into the sport if it wasn't for my dad. Uh, I, I would probably be, like, a little dancer or a volleyball player because I did that when I was in, like, high school, middle school. I was on a volleyball team. So uh, my dad got us into it when we were really young, and I think he just wanted us to do it just because he did it when he was younger. So he's the one that pushed us, and, like, eventually as I got older, maybe to, like, a red belt or something, I watched this girl that used to train at our club. I used to do, like, the after-school program classes, and she used to join her dad on the side. I used to watch her. I'd sit there for hours and watch her. And her dad finally was like, do you want to, like, try? You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I was like, of course. But I tried, and, like, my coach saw me, like, keeping with her and was like, why don't you come to our classes, like, our team training? And I did, and that's how it all, like, I was a nose I was like, hey, like, I'm turning into big guys, and at such a young age as I was over there, too. I was like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. Like, I thought I was so cool and, like, the hot stuff. Even though I was, like, 10, I had no idea what was going on. But I think that's when I was like, oh, my God, I love this. And it was just so much fun being able to play with kids older than me and stronger. And it was just, like, a challenge. And I love a good challenge, so. Well, challenges come sacrifice. So I, I know you're 17 years old, so you're still very young into the sport. But how much do you sacrifice? Because I'm guessing, you know, there's – you know, you do road work in terms of, you know, running, you know, sprints, you know, car, you know car, a lot of cardio so that you can go a full five minutes, maybe full 10 minutes of just, you know, on your feet, you know, be, you know on the balls of your three, throwing kicks, punches. How much have you had to sacrifice in terms of just what most of us here, you know, in the normal life, the non-Olympic you know, life, what we take for granted? Like, what are some of the things you've had to give up just to get to this level? I mean, I moved. So my mom has moved with me to Colorado, so I had to give up seeing my dad like a lot because he's still in Florida because of his work, and just because my mom's a nurse, she's able to transfer over hospitals. I'm sure my dad owns his own business, and he's over there still running it until he can move out here. But like I've literally sacrificed a normal teenage life. I've I don't have many friends like that are in Taekwondo only because I do online school now. Um, but I wouldn't tell you the funny thing, honestly. I love the way my life is, so I don't really know what I've sacrificed just because this is, like, all I thought about. It was always, like, going to Tokyo or, like, always going to training. So, for me, I didn't sacrifice much except for, like, what a normal teenager would do, like, go to a mall or something, which isn't really, like, on my priority. It's 
just because of how far I've made it. But, I mean, I feel like I have given up a lot. Well, how tough is it just, you know, literally giving up on stuff like, I'm guessing, you know, steak and cheese, french fries, or that, that, that's out the window. You know, Coke, that's out the window. <laughs> all these all these foods where like, if somebody has, oh, it's a long day, I just want to have a Coke. Or a long day, I want to have a beer. Long day, I want to have a couple slices of pizza. And for you, it's like, no, 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 long day, I got to have steamed chicken, rice, maybe some broccoli. It's like, okay, I got to count my carbs, got to make sure it's, I mean, I want to make it all weight. It's like... God damn, I just love to have, you know, a slice of pepperoni pizza, a Coke, and a, and a side of chili fries and just go bananas. I'm guessing you can't do that. Well, like, before, if you would have talked to me maybe three years ago when I was cutting for 49 kilos, as a junior, I had to give up all that. <laughs> Making 49 at the youth Olympics was super hard for me. So it was like what you just said, really real chicken and some broccoli, but... Now that I moved it to 57, I'm like in a weird position where I have to put on weight. So I'm weighing now at 54 kilos, and so I'm eating as, everything I have to eat as much as I want, which isn't normal for this. I feel like only because I'm like in training and all my friends and teammates are cutting weight, and I'm over here eating like I don't know a sandwich or something. It's just it just depends on the athlete and I guess like the position they're in. Now you mentioned about the one I'm, I'm I'm dying to talk about the moving up in weight here. How much does that change though? Because you know, yeah, you can eat a little more what you want, but I'm guessing you and your team are going, okay, now we can do more weight training. Now we can put more power into you. Now we can have you lift more weights because, as you said, you're not boiling yourself down to make 49 kilograms. So, how do you balance it where you're eating, you know, healthy, you're doing the weight training, but you're not getting too slow because you're putting on too much muscle. I mean, how do you do it so that everything is just in harmony? Well, I have, like, an amazing support system, so, like, my coach and, like, the people we work with, and I have the OTC here. So, like, having connections with them and, like, having my coach keep an eye on, like, the stuff we do. And he specializes everything individually for each athlete. And I think moving up in weight class is probably the best idea for me. because It gives me room to grow and become a better athlete. Like, if I was to stay in 49, it's like, I don't think it's limit my talent, but the way I perform, definitely. Like, I feel much stronger and better and healthier now than as when I was in 49. I just able to push myself to make myself stronger and bigger. And I don't know, like, being, like, the weakest, I wouldn't say weakest, but, like, you would think somebody who weighs 52 kilos finds somebody who weighs 57, they're the weaker one. So it just pushes me to, like, want to hit them harder and, I don't know. I just, I like being the way I am and pushing myself to be, like, I don't know, stronger and stuff, so. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we get Anna Zalotnik here on the show. We're talking all things, of course, uh, USA Taekwondo. We're talking Olympics. We're talking weight training, cutting weight here. She gets ready for possibly the 2020 Olympics. I'm putting money on it, but that's just me. Take us back to the Pan Am Games. Before I ask about the games and everything and winning that, what is that like when you know you win the gold medal, hand over your heart, they're playing with Ashley Anthem, and you've won the gold medal? That's something that everybody dreams of when they're kids. Not many get to have that moment. So for you, what was that like for you when you win the Pan Am Games, you beat the, the, the basically the person from you know the games from the host nation to advance to the gold medal round? Then you beat a Canadian, pretty damn good. What is that? What was that like for you? Just having that gold medal and hearing the Star Spangled Banner play? I mean, it was unbelievable. Honestly, when I was up on the podium, 
I just couldn't believe it. I thought I was like dreaming. And then maybe like the next two days, after watching more of my teammates fight, kind of like kicked in, like, oh my gosh, like, this is real. I'm here and this is really happening. So, I mean, like, I wanted to cry how happy I was. I just thought it was like, I think, I don't know if it was after the Rome Grand Prix or not. I can't really remember. It was so long ago. But, I mean, just knowing that I've come so far and accomplished what I have is just amazing. Like, seeing my teammates cheer and everybody standing there looking at my flag up there and just listening to them my anthem play, it was just amazing. And uh, I encourage everybody to just be able to do what I did and go over there and have that opportunity because it was amazing. Take us to that gold medal match. How much did that give you a lot of confidence in that you took on somebody who had experience in the senior level, who had, you know, had milled in the world championships, who had, you know, been around, who was 20 years old. So you figured she was bigger and stronger physically because she's just an older woman. She's matured. How much does that give you confidence going forward, knowing that, all right, I can beat these ladies. I can beat the best in the world. I am I am that damn good enough. I, they, they might say I'm an underdog, but you put anybody in there with me on, on, on my best day, I can beat them no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it definitely just my confidence knowing that I beat somebody like that and at that age and at that level that's been competing there for a couple of years now and so much older than me. But, I mean, like, my coach and everybody behind me, they've always told me, like, you know what I mean? It's just another tournament. And I know people are like, oh, you can only say that for so many things. But if you put somebody on the pedestal, you know, you don't feel like you can reach them. But if you put them on the same level as you and you don't think about it, I mean, that's how I do it, personally. I just, I don't put anybody on a pedestal because I feel like I can be as good as them or I am as good as them. So it kind of just brings my nerves down. And just, it gave me a lot of confidence, though. Afterwards, I'm like, hey, look what I look who I'd be, and even other athletes I fought before that, it was amazing. So it was just, I don't know, it, it definitely gave me a lot of confidence moving forward. I'm like, hey, this one's these people, I just beat her, and, but who do we have next? You know what I mean? Just kind of push me to like, hey, like, let's just keep going. As you said, the Tokyo, the Tokyo Olympics are going to be this year. Coronavirus or not, they've said we're going ahead of it. I know everybody, you know, a lot of athletes are weighing in, people are weighing in, Media, of course, always likes to weigh in, but if it happens, wh- what do you expect to ha- what do you expect to to feel once you're out there? Not only me out there with taekwondo mess. I mean, you're out there, you're in the outfit, you're and you come out and you get to do what almost every, everybody here wants to do growing up. You know, waving a little American flag, representing Team USA in the opening ceremony, and knowing that it was worth it. It paid off. All of it, as you said, the sacrifices. You know, giving up on on family time, giving up on chocolate chip pancakes, giving up on all this stuff. When do you expect to have that moment where, when you walk out of that on the Olympic, you know, to the Olympic opening ceremonies, one you have that, that moment of, of you know pride, and the second moment you're just a little kid like everybody else. You're you know geeking out, you're gawking at all those celebrities around you, all the big wigs, and you're going, this is fun, this is cool. When do you expect to have that moment? I mean, I always enjoy the moment, personally. I, I don't really take the for granted, and I don't overthink anything. I think I'm always in the moment. Like, one coach always just told me to just be. So just be in the moment. Just be who you are. And I I cherish everything that I'm – even being here at my own house in Colorado Springs and just being able to be who I am, I, I don't know. I, I feel like even though I am 17 years old, I feel like I'm older and – Sometimes I have my kid moments when I'm with like my sister or a teammate or something, but 
I don't know. I always geek out in the end. Like, I come home and, like, I'll put my medal on the wall and I'll give it to my dad and show him. I, I'm always like, well, look at this. Like, I, I feel like I have moments where I'm like that. And I love those moments, so... Very happily, so once again, she hopefully will be representing Team USA in the 2020 Olympics. As I said, I am betting on it. She is considered one of the stars in this rising sport of Taekwondo. I give you one of the uh, Uber kids over there herself. I give you Anna Zolotnik. Uh, Anna, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? And if people want to check out more about Team USA Taekwondo, where can they go and check out your bio? Uh, Two weeks into the company, and already we're talking big angles, we're talking partnerships, and well, you're on uh, the Rebellion special. You know, it's big things going on, or post special, you know, big things going on. We are proud to have on the show one of the rising names in Impact Wrestling. I give you it's Miss Tasha Steeles. Uh, Tasha, first off, congratulations on the new Impact contract. How much does that mean to you, especially now where with the coronavirus, a lot of companies are shut down, a lot of independent wrestling is not even happening, and yet you at least know, hey, I have a contract, I'm going to be wrestling, I don't have to worry about that for now. I mean, uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, it, it, it just means a lot to me. You know, it feels really good. I worked really hard to, um, for, to, to get to this point of, of having a contract with Impact. Um, I mean, they just saw something in me, and you know, no matter what the circumstances was going on, they they just knew, like, hey, we have to grab this hardworking girl, and and uh, and that's what they did. So it means a lot, and you know, I busted my ass for it, so uh, it, all the hard work paid off. 
Take us to your first match in Impact. It's you, Kylie Ray. You know they have big things planned for her because she's one of the biggest names in terms of independent wrestling. He has a huge following. And yet you get it's – a, it's a match where if somebody just walks in and said, I have no idea who's going on. It was back and forth. It was a competitive match. Everything made you, they made you look good. They made you look like made you look credible. How much did that mean that you know right off the bat you're being taken seriously? But you're somebody that they're bringing in. It's like oh well, she's going to be just sort of like can fodder or you know a jobber or a mid carder. But they're they're already positioning you as somebody who she's going to be a force. I mean Tasha Steele is going to be somebody you got to watch out for an impact. I mean, um, you know, this is this is before the match with, with Kylie Ray. I mean, we uh, the last time I was with Impact was about a year ago um, on this month, and I was in a knockout battle royal, and that you know includes names like Tessa Blanchard, Lish Edwards, Jordan Grace, uh, Kiara Hogan, um, just names like that, and you know from there, it, it, I mean, if you haven't saw that match, you know, I had a lot of had a lot of fire in that match, you know, no pun intended to care, but um, they really saw something from me, in me, since, since that day. And, you know, in the Indies, I, I am one of the, the, the rising stars in the Indies. I mean, I, I do call myself the brightest star in the sky, so it makes a whole lot of sense. So going into Rebellion, um, they knew that Tasha Steele, she's just not somebody that's going to, quote-unquote, job out to uh, Kylie Ray, um, Kylie is an incredible athlete. You know, she she's great. I've followed her career in the Indies, and you know, um, seen her out, you know, in and out. And um, going into this match with Kylie, I, I just knew mindset-wise how I wanted to work with Kylie, and um, but I knew she had a, a, a tough competition ahead of her with me. You know, I, I'm the Boricua badass. I'm the culture queen. I do not take anything lightly. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of back and forth. And uh, I kind of wiped that smile a little bit off her face. But, you know, in the end, I didn't like the results. But don't worry, I'll get my revenge soon. Let's talk about the partnership with you and Kier Hogan. Uh, how did this come about? What are they having planned that you can share with us? And what is that like, but already that they have a major storyline? But it's, as you said, the they're putting in. Uh, the fire from Atlanta, the Barica Badass. It seems like there's a hint of, dare I say, knockouts, uh, tag team championships down the line. But they're already thinking of you guys going, you know what, we have this great idea. We'll start building it right away. I mean, um, you know, with the knockout tag title, that, that sounds really good. You know, you, you don't know until it actually happens. That's, that's one of the things I can just say. Kara and I, we, uh, we've been friends for a, a, a long time. I met her in 2016. Um and we just been cool ever since then. So we just we we really good good friends, you know. Uh, as far as what's gonna happen, you know, with us in Impact, that's just something you and everybody else has to tune in to see. Because you know, I can't I can't give away everything. You know, all I know is all you need to know is that Karen and I we've had we're having a great partnership, and just never know what's gonna happen in Impact. How much easier is it? having that relationship on camera as well as off camera where it's not something that, Oh yeah, well, we're good friends, but off camera, you know, you guys don't know each other. Well, as you said, you know, you know, you knew Kier since back in the day, the two of you probably, you know, had car rides together. You've been on the same shows. You probably had dinner. Is it easier having somebody who you would generally enjoy the company 
in terms of, you know, then all of a sudden going on camera and doing this partnership? Is it easier having that person that to work with that you actually trust and like off camera? Um, at the end of the day, I'm a professional. So um, whether I'm, I'm working with somebody that I really, um, you know, can't really attach to or somebody that I'm, you know, really, really close to, it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. You know, I work professionally. So, um, I mean, is it easier to work with somebody that you really, really know? Of course, a lot of people will say that. But, you know, it's also good to work with people you don't know because you get to know them and then you can build friendships from there, whether it turns out to be a friendship or it doesn't turn out to be a friendship. But it's either way, either way it's a win-win. But the same, at the end of the day, you know, you just remain professional and, and you know, that's it. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're tuning into the show, we have it's Ms. Tasha Steele's here. We're talking all things, of course, Impact Wrestling. We're talking a new contract. We're talking working with uh, Kier Hogan, a.k.a. Fire. I want to talk about a little more controversial thing. That's the passing of Hana Kimura here and her taking her life due to bullying. We don't see a lot of that, the casual fans. And yet, from talking to a lot of female fighters, whether it's professional wrestling, boxing, mixed martial arts, there's always these people who they just seem to get joy of putting you guys down, whether it's making fun of your looks, making fun of uh, if you're a different race, of just, you know, the way you come across, or the way you talk, or the way that they portray you here, or the way that they think you're acting here. How tough is it sometimes being on social media, doing business, and, you know, hyping yourself up when you have these people who – they just want to put you down. Doesn't There's nothing personal to them in terms of what you've done to them. They just enjoy, it seems, hurting people for the sake of hurting somebody. Um, you know, for one, I want to just give a rest in peace to Hannah. I never knew her, never met her. I've seen her in stardom. I've seen her on Ring of Honor. Um, and my I have friends that know her. So um, rest in peace to her. Bullying is never okay. Um, you know, my little sister, she was bullied as as a kid um you know through elementary school because she has a birth defect so it does hit home to me and it's never okay um as a woman and i know a lot of women can attest to this that we deal with not just bullying but sexual harassment from you know what we like to call these creeps out here you know they 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 come in in our in our comments in our dms they always have something to say. You know, it's just trolls. It's just basic trolls. And some of us can handle it, and some of us can't. But it's never it's never okay to continue it, you know. Um, can we stop it? I, I wish I wish we all can stop the bullying, but it's always that, that one jerk, that one a-hole that's going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And, uh, you know, we, we, all we could do now is just ignore and, and block. You know, um, you know, uh, a WWE veteran, uh, Darren Young, he has a block the hate movement, and uh, everyone, I think, should follow it. And, um, you know, it's very powerful. And that's just what we have to do now is just block the hate. One female MMA fighter once told me the most difficult thing about being a female athlete is the standards. You have to fight like a man, behave like a lady, look like a supermodel. That's what people expect. That's the, the, the toughest part here. How tough is that for you when you're trying to balance all this here? You're trying to be this, you know, badass boric wrestler, and yet you want to look enough feminine enough where you can sell stuff, whether it's 8x10s, whether it's 
photos, whether it's you know merchandise, because that's how you get a lot of your bread and butter is by people buying your merchandise. And yet, you know, you still are in a ring where, yes, people say pro wrestling is quote unquote fake. You still get injured. I mean, you still have to run ropes, work a 15 minute match, take bumps, uh, get slammed on your back, you know, land on your knees, shoulders. There's people have gotten torn ACLs, blown shoulders, uh, torn up, you know, ligaments in their back. How tough is that being, especially a female fighter, when you have to do all this stuff and it's, you have to basically balance this to a perfect T? Um, I think times have changed since, like, you know, the 80s and the 90s where, yeah, you you had to mainly sell sexy, you know, and um, being a fighter, you know, fighting manly wasn't too much of the percentage that you needed to perceive back then. But I think now with 2020, it's just uh, people want to see athletes. And as, you know, women over the years have changed the mind and the perception of what a woman athlete should be, I, you know, I, I think that right now what we all do as women doesn't really matter when it comes to, oh, we have to be sexy and, you know, have a model body because we're all not like that. We all can't be that way you know every there's a different woman that changes the idea for everything that you think of so um you know to me i i really don't care about that i'm a fighter i'm an athlete i'm a wrestler i I played a lot of sports it's either you take me as i am or not at all and if it's a hard ladder a harder ladder to climb then i'm just going to keep climbing it but i think that's just the mindset of all of us nowadays you take us as we are because we're going to show the world how different we are and, and what we can do. You had a lot of offers on the table. I know that NWA uh, was looking at you. I know that you've worked for the Ring of Honor. And you probably are on WWE's radar. How much of the way that Impact portrays the knockouts, especially, as you said, with a lot of different women who have different body types, whether it's Tessa Blanchard, whether it's Taya, uh, Rosemary, uh, Jordan Grace, the current Impact's champion, and they're all – as you said, we're not the traditional tall, blonde, look like supermodels, you know, way fish waist. How much of that for you was a recruiting point where it seems impact focuses on, all right, this is your strength. This is what you guys bring to the table. You can, you know, you're over, you carry, you know, you know how to work a match. That's what we're going to work with. We're not going to try to change into something else. How much of that was for you, the selling point of impact of they are not trying to turn you into a, a Barbie doll. They just want to turn into a great worker. I think it's just from, you know, the moment that I, I, I stepped into um, Impact's locker room, you know, a year ago. And, you know, I had my time to perform for everyone from talent relations all the way down, you know. So um, just being in that locker room with these incredible women, it, it just, it touched me, you know, because it was just like they welcome you with open arms and they're there to help. They're not there to hurt. They're not there to criticize. You know, they're all there to make sure that to give good feedback and to help you out, especially when it comes to someone like me who's just now coming on and, and learning TV more, pay-per-view more, where they all had the experience already. You know, so um, it, it's just a great feeling. And being able to work with these women who have different backgrounds and come from different places and have traveled different places and, and know different things, you know, it's, it's great to work with these kind of women. So, um, you know, it's just I felt 
I felt so warm just being at Impact that I knew, like, okay, this is where I definitely want to be permanently. And if it's not permanently, then I would like to visit more. So, um, you know, I just kept working, being at, trying to be at Impact and, and working, trying to get their attention all the time. And, you know, a year later, here I am. Last two questions I'll let you go. I know we're pressed for time, unfortunately, but the the famous moment when I followed wrestling when I knew that it was difficult was WrestleMania 10, Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Lawrence Taylor's gassing after a couple minutes. Bam Bam Bigelow's fresh, and when we talked with him once, he said it was just like having to drag a carcass around. This is a tough sport. I mean, you literally have to have endurance. You have to work very work hard. You had to be in shape. You had to always move around because that's what this, the character is here. When did you were able to, you know, quasi master where you could go a full ten minute match, a fifteen minute match, you know, do all these moves and be able to walk to the back and not either start throwing up because you know you're out of shape or acting, you know, looking for an oxygen mask because you're out of breath from constantly moving all over the place. It all starts with training, you know. Um... It, that's where it starts. If you're not consistent with your training, you know, um, with my training, we train about four or five days a week, you know. So, um, and what we do in training is, is we do drills. It's, we do different drills that, that in, you know, involves a lot of cardio because, you know, you're going to be hitting the ropes a lot or you're going to be going from corner to running from corner to corner a lot or, you know, you're moving. You're constantly moving. So it all starts in training. If you don't have that proper training, then, yeah, you're going to get, you're going to get gassed. You're going to get blown up. You're going to, you know, feel like you're going to have to throw up after 10 minutes of a match, you know. Um, so that's where it starts for me. If you don't have that proper training, then that goes for anybody. Like, you know, somebody can wrestle for five, 10 years and go away for a while and then come back and have what people like to call ring rust and still get blown up and, and not be able to finish 10 minute match, you know. So I was able to, I was able to do it, you know, um, probably, you know, after training for a year, I was able to comfortably be able to be in a ring for 10 minutes or more and, and not be either too nervous or, or gassed or anything like that because it's just it's confidence as well. So if you, you know, you have that confidence as well, then you, you should be fine. How tough is it explain to people, one, the passion for what you have, and two, how much it takes over? Because... I'm guessing you've had to sacrifice friends, family, birthdays, all that. And there's a lot of people looking and go, oh, you should do something different. You know, you should do something else because you'll tell them, oh, I, I got to take a class. I, I got to go to this match here. Yeah, I'm only making maybe 50 bucks, but I, I got to be on to this match. Or sometimes you're not even getting paid in the Indies here. For those who don't know, for all of us, uh, you know, who think, you know, we understand pro wrestling, we don't. How tough is it explain to people, one, the sacrifices you go through to do this, and two why you love it so much why but as you said you know in the early days you're probably living out of your car to go from show to show because hey we're offering you the opportunity or you know why you're going to these training seminars or these camps when you know you, you barely have enough money to make because you're sacrificing work how tough is it explain just the lifestyle of a pro wrestler um it, it's not really tough to me um you know i have a great system at home um you know thankfully um so it's just they know from the beginning before i even 
started wrestling that I explained to my family and, and a couple of my friends, like, what's going to happen with me? You know, once I get into wrestling, you know, I'm going to I'm going to miss these birthdays and weddings and, and celebrations for, um, from time to time. You know, I, I just recently uh, missed my niece's birthday in February. So um, from being on the road and they understood and um, they understood what I was working for, because this is my dream to be a professional wrestler and to have a name internationally, you know? So, um, I mean, people are not going to get it, but it's better to show them than you can tell them. Um, and for me, I'm, you know, I, I have people that are around me that can just understand, probably get a little upset, but still understand like this is what I want to do. This, this is my dream. So if you really can't understand it, then you're not supporting me, you know? So that's about it. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I give you it is Borica Badass herself. I give you Impact Wrestling's newest uh, rising star. I give you Tasha Steeles. Uh, Tasha, before we let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where is the store where they can buy merchandise in case they want to support, you know, the beautiful Borica Badass? Okay, well, you can um, start at prowrestlingtees.com slash Tasha Steeles. That's uh, where all my t-shirts are right now currently um instagram and twitter is at real t steals that's s-t-e-e-l-z um of course facebook is tasha steals so um yeah give me a like give me a follow share retweet tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to follow tasha steals and uh trust you'll get a lot more content coming up soon and in, in impact you just gotta you guys just gotta keep watching star over young rising star over at the UFC and now he took his uh his he's taken everything to one championship well they are hoping he is the future face of that, of that of that promotion I give you once again the pride and joy all the way out of Sacramento California I give you super sage himself I give you sage Northcutt uh so sage let's start off here with because a lot of people were wondering why one championship in the first place? I mean, you had your pick of everybody, Bellator, UFC. You could have gone to PFL. What was one championship's pitch? Like, what did they do to get your services, considering they're all the way based out of Singapore? Like, what what was, I guess, for you the reason to join with that, join with them in the first place? Right, exactly. You know, 
Uh, what really made me make the choices is that uh, they have something that a lot of other organizations around the world don't have, and that's that the organization based on character. Um, it's it's based on kind of how how you see Mr. Chatri himself, how he carries himself, um, how he treats his fighters with respect. Even even after something might happen to a fighter, they don't perform their best at night. Um, he treats them with respect. He's not out talking bad about them. So. The organization is set up with a different different kind of setup that uh, mostly every other organization doesn't have. So that's what really stuck out to me and drew me to them, and um, it had the same values that I have. Take us to your first fight, and uh, before we go to the to the decision, what happened? Why Cosmo Alexandre? Because there were a lot of people I knew who, you know, know MMA, and they said. Bad matchup for you right off the bat. I mean, this is a guy who is probably good enough. He can compete top five in UFC Bellator. He's a world-class striker with over 70 wins in kickboxing. He's a guy who has a lot of good, you know, he had been in Bellator. He had proven his rank. Why Why agree to that fight? Why take that for your debut fight against a guy who is literally probably one of the best pure strikers in mixed martial arts? No, you know, he's, he's an extremely talented fighter, um, seven-time world champion, super skilled. That wasn't the plan, actually, to, um, to have him as my opponent. Um, there was actually another opponent scheduled uh, for the month going into the fight, and then the opponent, I believe, had an injury and dropped out so the fight. So um, he was actually my, my last-minute opponent, kind of, for the fight, if that makes sense. So um, things were a little interesting going into the fight, but um, also... Going up to 185 pounds. I've never fought 185 pounds before. Um, even right now, that that weight class is actually too big for me, and uh, uh, not not a good fit for me. So I'm going back down to 155 pounds, and and that's my best bet where I'm going to try to win all my fights at. You mentioned before. You just mentioned it was a last minute opponent. You know, last change because things happened here. Was there ever a thought of just saying, "Look, I, I'm not doing it," you know, because nobody would blame you. This is, a, as we said, it's a legitimate middleweight, badass striker. He knows what he's doing. He's trained in boxing. He's a world champion kickboxer here. If you had said no, nobody would have blamed you here. What made you take the fight? Like, what made you go, all right, you know what? Screw this. I'll, I'll do it. I'll be the Huckleberry. Let's jump in here and let's do this fight. You know, it kind of just happened to play out that way. Um, uh, anyways, the past is the past. Uh, now it's time to look forward to the future. Um, uh, obviously, that, that fight didn't go as planned for me, but I'm taking the good from it that I'm going back down to where I've been 5-0, fighting in the, my previous organization with UFC, and um, 165 pounds, that's where I feel like I'm the most dominant, so I'm going to go back down to that weight class and fight there. We'll go back to visit to one championship in a bit. First, take, take us back to what's going on with you, because I know you've been, you know, before the COVID, you were training with Team Alpha Male, uh, now, as we said, with California, a lot of gyms are closed. A lot of fighters are moving different areas. How tough has it been on you just, you know, you're unable to do what you like to do, which is train, work out, you know, get ready for a fight, and all of that's been taken away because of COVID-19. Oh, I know, right? That's very unfortunate. Not, not just for me, but for all the people that have lost their jobs out there and haven't been able to um, have their businesses, like small businesses, staying open and, I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate. That's very unfortunate. So um, I'm just I'm just shooting for the COVID stuff clearing back up. I know one just had their first fight back actually on Friday, just the other day. So that's 
that's super exciting. And uh, hopefully they can get the Americans, uh, the Americans that are fighting with them, to be able to get a crossover to Singapore and Asia and those types, those parts of the world. Uh, hopefully here soon. If you're just tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, once again we've got it's none other than Sage North Kodama show. We're talking all things course one championship. We're talking Cosmo Alexander. We're talking COVID nineteen. Take us to what got you into this in the first place. I mean, because you grew, you know, you were majoring in petroleum energy, energy engineering at Texas A and M. That's money right there. I mean, people will throw big money at anybody who does that industry. Why do mixed martial arts? What is it about this sport that you decide to just hop right into? Money sucks. Training's hard. You get beat up a lot. What made you just fall in love with the sport that you're still doing it now? You know what it is? It's, it's me getting to do something that I love. I, I love training. I love being in shape. Um, I love getting to go out there and try something that, that I've been practicing so long for and, and seeing it be successful. And even the times that you aren't successful, uh, taking you take it as a learning experience because you don't have time to sit around and, uh, and I guess, proud about, proud about having a bad experience, something that didn't go right for you. So um, I just got to know that there's great things in store for the future. Like Just like the Bible says, Got a great thing to source for the future. So um, that's something that I love. Mixed martial arts I've been doing since I was a little kid. I started at four years old. And uh, getting to travel now, that's also something about one championship that I really love is I'm going to travel around the world and see the world at the same time while I'm getting to compete and meet all the new fans across the world. So um, going to a new fan base will be really fun for me. Take us to the UFC because... And you had some good times. You had some rough times. You had, and throughout this year, there were a lot of there was. I call it with Tim Tebow. There were people who loved you, and they thought you were the best thing since the iPod. There were people here who probably hated you for just no reason other than, well, you're young, you're good looking, and you are just you know like a cross between Dudley Do Right and Captain Marvel. Uh, I, and, I, and I and I feel bad because it's sort of like it's not you. You're not beating people up. You're not abusing your girlfriend here. How do you handle it? I mean, how do you handle when people just hate on you for being you? Nothing bad. You just are who you are. And people, to some people, that just drives them goddamn crazy. Uh, you know, it's it mostly just kind of take you take the things people say, even if they say something negative. Let's say um, maybe maybe they're kind of the genuine of their heart they're trying to help you out but they don't know how to word their words or maybe maybe uh they really just don't like you and um but you know you have you always have those people no matter what sports you're in so especially mma it's it's a it's a fighter sport so those kind of people you just kind of have to take with a grain of salt and um listen to people that are backing you up that are on your side and and take things that are positive for you did it i mean but how do you deal with it though when as you said you're trying to develop you're a young fighter and you're fighting some of these guys and yet when i remember when brian barbarina beat you there were a lot of people who were like yes finally you know this whole bubble got burst here yeah finally he got exposed finally it's like he's a kid he's you know under the age of 21 years old here how tough is that having to handle stuff that most 30 year olds can't deal with and here you are at the age of 20, 21, you were having to deal with it, and yet it's kind of unfair. I mean, you know, somebody said, you didn't choose to do this here. 
this is who you are. Where, you know, you are being yourself. That's, that's the thing. Like, like you said, uh, them trying to say that, oh, finally he got exposed for me losing one of my first fights ever. Um, I'm, I'm, I was super young. I'm, I'm still super young. at 24 now. And um, a lot of fighters don't even actually get into the sport until they're 23, 24, 25, around that age. So um, I have a head start, which, which I look at, and also I pick it a learning experience. I, I did have some things go wrong for me. I was studying school at the same time while I'm actually fighting MMA, which obviously probably is the best bet to try to focus all the time on something would have been a lot better. But, um, but I mean, if you go back to that fight you mentioned, for instance, I fought extremely ill. The president of the UFC, Dana White, said that he should have never let me fight. I, I was on the main card for the first time, I believe, and I wanted to put on a great show for the UFC. So, you know, me being young, I'm, I'm not going to want to pull out of a fight when I'm on the main card. I'm super excited, and no matter how sick I am. So, you take that as a learning experience for the future, and um, just like me having my last fight, fighting 100, 185 pounds, um, I know they have the water hydration test and no weight cutting. That's why I decided to go that big of a weight class. But, um, but, but like my next fight, I'm going to be going at 155 pounds. That's where I should be at, and I'm taking it as a learning experience. So um, hope I don't ever make that mistake again. As we mentioned before, boxing, it's a weird sport. And I, and I mentioned that because you look at – sorry, MMA is a weird sport. You look at boxing. Deontay Wilder, who at one point was a heavyweight champion of the world, didn't really fight anybody until he was in his 26 or 27 opponent. Uh a guy who, right around your, your neck of the woods, Joseph Diaz Jr., he's 31-1, and one. he's a world champion now. He wasn't taking on these kind of, you know, top 15 guys till maybe you're looking at his 23rd, 22nd opponent. MMA, they throw you in right off the bat. I mean, you got into the UFC, and it was, all right, here's Cody Fister, here's Trevino, and then all of a sudden, oh, Brian Barbarina. It's, do you ever, did you ever feel like it's just a... Too, a bit tough in this MA where they set you up to fail. There's no real developing. There's no real, well, we're going to give you 10, 12 fights so you can figure everything out and then give you these tough guys. It's, yes, one, two, up. Oh, now you go. You're ready for, you know, a guy like Barbarina who's been around the block, who's seen everything, fought everything. He was a guy who just knew more tricks at that time than you did. Well, you know, looking back at that fight, if I remember right, um, the whole first round, I was, I was beating him the whole entire round. Um, I didn't have the endurance and stamina time um, being so sick, sick as a dog, uh, trying to get medicine and, and not be able to even get medicine last minute that could actually be approved by USADA for being like an inhaler, for instance. So I was so sick that I shouldn't even actually have that fight. Had that fight been a different circumstance, it probably would turn out a totally different way. And um, unfortunately, things played out the way they did. And uh, the thing is, I feel like right now, being 24 years old, when most people actually get in the sport of MMA. <laughs> I feel like I'm not even close to my prime yet. I know people hit their prime when they're 31, 32, 33 years old, so I'm nowhere close to my prime. I believe the best things are yet uh, in store for me in the future. And once once I get those those mistakes I made before, um, I'm getting those figured out and not making those anymore in the future, and then um, I feel like things are gonna go right for me. So me, me going out there, um, soon dominating all my fights in the future, um, trying to go to undefeated from, from now on, and um, that's why I'm going back down to my weight class where I am undefeated. One of the things I've always been curious about with you is this unwavering faith you have in, in God. And, and as you said before, top of the show, you're a very, very you know, religious person. You 
are a devout Christian. You have spoken about that, you know, during fights, after fights here. That's not, and unfortunately, that's not really cool in any sport. You know, most of the time it's, oh, we don't hear about that. You're getting too preachy. You're doing this here. You, you have this, you know, faith that even to me is impressive. So why? Why is for you your faith just such a big thing that it's, it's big, almost bigger than mixed martial arts for you? It is who you are. Yeah, that's the thing. It is, it is, it's, it's my number one priority in my life. That's what I try to keep it as. And uh, um, you have to have that unwavering. I mean, if you have a belief in something, um, you got to stick to it. I mean, just like if, you're, if you believe you're going to be the best mixed martial artist in the world, then you better stick to it and keep training. You can't you can't slack on that. So um, that's my reason why is is that uh, obviously I, lo- I love God. Um, I'm trying to put Jesus Christ first in my life, and um, and then obviously I want people to know about Him too because. I've had miracles happen to me before. I've, I've seen amazing things, and and uh, that's why that's why I believe in it so strong. As things get back to normal, you'll get back to fighting. And one, one of, as I said, you chose One FC because they are a professional company, but the owner treats fighters like they should be. How much of this is also for you about just fighting? It's you know, in UFC. A lot of people said that. The worst thing that happened to you was you became more of, of a an act than a fighter. You became sort of a product. It's, hey, here's the Sage Northcutt show. You got to check it out, the abs and everything. And it was less about being a fighter. How much of this for you is about resetting, you know, everything, where you can go to one championship and it's just, I'm Sage Northcutt, I'm a fighter, and there's not just this hoopla of, Oh my God! It's the Sage and Page show. It's Sage Northcutt. Look at those abs. Look at that blonde hair. He is the teen dream. It's we're gonna focus on just Sage Northcutt. And is he a damn good fighter or not? We'll find out. That you know what? Uh, having those things on my side also, uh, like you're saying, having abs, him talking about that kind of stuff, and then be able to win my fight. Uh, I think that makes me more more appear, uh, appealable to the audience and the fans. That's what the sport's about. You can't have the sport of MMA without having an audience there. You can't have the top fights in the world if the company's not able to have the viewers tuning in so they can stay in business. So um, it's more than just fighting. Otherwise, you'd be watching fights in the street, and there's no difference. So for me, um, having those things, it's a blessing, and I'm super thankful for those, and I'm super thankful people talk about that kind of stuff because um, as I'm improving my skill set too, um, they'll be talking more about my skill set also. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I give you a, one of the, the top free agents that was signed by one by one championship, and they are betting a, a lot on him, but so is he. And, well, with his faith and his uh, confidence, I would not bet against him. I give you once again, it is super Sage Northcutt. Uh, Sage, before I let you go, where can the fans check you out at? Where is the Twitter page, Instagram, the website? Where can fans hit you up at? Oh, you bet. So my Instagram is super Sage Northcutt. Um, here coming up soon. Thanks for reopening. I'll be posting tons of cool stuff of me training again and um, getting more getting more fire in my stomach to be better than ever. Uh, my Twitter is just Sage Northcut and my Facebook is Sage Northcut. So um, that kind of stuff. You just follow me. I'll be I'll be doing some cool stuff. Mm-hmm.